Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The end of the Hall of Fame era for Coach K will have to wait. Gonzaga, more like Gonzaga. Plus, will the Raptors pull themselves out of the play-in? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Coach K swan song will continue for the second straight game. Duke rode a late surge, not just a surge, a deluge of shots. 71% shooting in the second half and did not miss a shot in the final seven and a half minutes. That is not a, a an incorrect stat right there. I nailed that. Last seven and a half minutes, they shot 100% from the field. Joining me now from Locked On Duke, JJ Jackson. JJ, how has this team been able to put together these second half surges with all of the pressure of Coach K's last season? Yeah, Peter, it's been crazy to watch this team work all season and and certainly here in March Madness and the NCAA tournament to make shots down the stretch is what you dream for. It's been led by the point guard and Jeremy Roach. He can't get enough praise. We talk about him every day on Lockdown Blue Devils, and I still don't think it's enough conversation about what he's meant for this team. When the ball is in his hands, good things happen. And, oh, yeah, you have a guy in Paulo Bancaro who will be a top three pick in the NBA draft. Their defense really locks down together, and it creates good looks for Duke on the offensive end. And here they are heading now to the Elite Eight. So this game against a very, very good Texas Tech team, it goes down to the wire. Some tense moments here in the final minutes. I'm sure Duke fans had the paper bag out. They were breathing heavy into it. But but how can they get off to better starts so they don't have to? be in a position where at the end of the game, they have to shoot 100% in the final seven minutes to barely pull out the win. Yeah, I think that was the big storyline here, Peter. I know that uh, our friends at Bet Online had Texas Tech favored by one point in this matchup. A lot of people giving the Red Raiders praise, and rightfully so. They're a top five defense in the entire country. But wasn't discussed as much was the fact that Duke is a top 10 offense in the entire country. And so the fact that they were able to make those second half adjustments, I think it's more so the adjustments that were made by Duke against that Red Raider defense as opposed to a slower start in the first half. Heading on to the Elite Eight to take on Arkansas, though, it will be uh, paramount that Duke gets off to a much better start. And I think it starts once again on the defensive end of the floor, getting out in transition if feeding Mark Williams on the inside, that's how Duke started the run in the second half. They got a couple of buckets from their big seven foot one center in Mark Williams and were able to space out after that. I was going to ask you about that. Arkansas, they're, they're not a great outside shooting team, but they will guard you from the moment you step on the floor until the moment that last whistle sounds. So what adjustments, if any, do you think this this team offensively, because we know they have individually the horses to get it done with potential lottery picks all over this team. What adjustments do you think they need to make to their approach so that they can they can score enough to win this game? I think it's always going to come back to three-point shooting for the Stoop team because they're the most talented team in the country. When they want to score at the rim, they're able to do that. The big question is always 
this season are the Blue Devils knocking down three-point shots from the outside. Against Michigan State in the round of 32, Duke only made five three-pointers. They only shot 13 because they had so many open looks at the rim. Against Texas Tech, they were able to go seven of 19, so a couple of more makes from three-point range. But against Arkansas, if you really want to see this Duke offense in their best form, I think it's going to take a number of shots being made from three-point range. Coming up, Gonzaga? More like Gonzaga. Next. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Number one seeds had a tough night on Thursday. First Gonzaga, then Arizona, the top seed in the South region. The five seed Houston outplayed the Wildcats for 40 minutes, taking them down 72 to 60 behind suffocating defense and hot shooting on offense. Houston held Arizona to 33% shooting from the field while making their own shots from distance, putting together a 45% shooting night from deep. And Houston will have Villanova in the Elite Eight with Nova getting the better of Michigan yet again. The Wildcats ousted the Wolverines 63-55 to move into the Elite Eight for the first time since the Wildcats won the 2018 National Championship over, you guessed it, Michigan. Jermaine Samuel scored 22 points, leading the way for Villanova. Colin Gillespie added 12 points. Both Gillespie and Samuels were part of that 2018 National Champion team. The Kansas City Chiefs added a veteran wide receiver to their roster on Thursday, a day after trading star wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Former Packer Marquez Valdez-Scantling signed a contract with the Chiefs. The team announced MBS tweeted his excitement at the news, saying, I could cry real tears right now. I got cut from my high school team as a freshman to signing a second contract in the NFL. Never let any person place a limitation on who you can be. Awesome advice from a terrific football player. The Memphis Grizzlies say star John Morant will be reevaluated in two weeks as he continues to deal with knee soreness that has sidelined him for the past week. Thursday night, Memphis coach Taylor Jenkins said the team expects Morant back for the playoffs, saying we expect him to make a full recovery before the playoffs, and we're excited about that with two and a half weeks left in the season. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. Sweet 16 action on the line again tonight. As two storied programs square off in an unlikely Sweet 16 matchup, the 11 seed Tar Heels of UNC face the fourth seeded UCLA Bruins. Bet Online likes UCLA minus two and a half. The Cinderella story St. Peter's will face Purdue. The betonline.net line for this game is Purdue giving 12 and a half. And an 11 versus 10 in the Sweet 16. Not something we see often, but we get it tonight. Iowa State and Miami. The betonline.net line is Miami giving two and a half. Bet online where the game starts. Here is another story you need to know. Gonzaga, more like Gonzaga. The number one seed in the West. They go down to the Arkansas Razorbacks 74 to 68. The Zags committing 15 turnovers in the game. And Arkansas took the lead with a little bit less than 17 minutes to go in the second half and never looked back. Joining me now from Locked on Zags, Andy Patton. And Andy, what what was really the problem here for Gonzaga, who never felt like they had control of this game? Yeah, the biggest thing, we've talked about it a lot on, on the Locked on Zags podcast. As Andrew Nembhard goes, 
so do the Zags. And it's Drew Timmy's team, and it's Chet Holmgren was the prized possession for the for the entire season. But ultimately, this thing came down to Andrew Nembhard. When he had bad games, he played poorly against Duke. He played poorly against Alabama. He played poorly tonight. And when those things happen, you this this league is all about guard play. Uh, in the NCAA, and Andrew Nempard, two for 11 from the field. He made his first shot of the game and didn't make another one until that very, very fortunate three-pointer with just a few seconds to go. Uh, when you have a, a guard like that who's just not contributing, it, it it ends up being a death sentence, and that's what happened tonight. Yeah, you mentioned that backcourt, and if you look at the backcourt, 5 of 21 shooting, 8 of 30 if you take the non-Chet Holmgren and non-Drew Timmy starters in consideration. So why not? run the offense more through someone like Chet Holmgren, who only gets nine shots in this game. Yeah, I think Arkansas did a really good job of taking away a lot of the passing lanes, which prevented Gonzaga from getting the ball down low the way that they wanted to. We saw them start to go to Drew Timmy a lot early in the second half, which is the same thing that happened against Memphis. Drew hit a bunch of shots. They went on a nice run. Arkansas absorbed some of those punches in this game and rebounded, found ways to stop Gonzaga from getting the ball down low. They settled for a lot of outside shots. Obviously, Razorbacks, very, very good defensive team were able to eliminate some of that. I think they were so focused, the Zags, on, on trying to push the pace and set the tempo in that regard that it caused them to get a little sloppy with the basketball. It caused the guards to try to get out and get some quick threes as opposed to looking for some more high percentage shots down low. And ultimately that that led to the result. Do you think this said says something about this team in particular or was just, just an off night? As you mentioned, as Nemhart goes, this team goes. Yeah, I think this team... You know, there, there was definitely some questions of whether they were going to be as good as last year's team. And last year's team obviously was such a dynamic offensive force that it felt like Corey Kispert could have a bad game and they'd still win. Or Joel Iyayi could be non-existent and they would still win. And this team was was a little bit more precarious. We saw them obviously lose more games in the regular season than last year. And we certainly saw a lot more close games throughout the season. In the first two tournament games, they really never looked like themselves. So we... You know, people hope that they would be able to make a comeback in this game like they did against Memphis, like they did against Georgia State, but it was always going to catch up with them if they didn't play a full 40 minutes, and that's what happened here. How much better do you think a team like Arkansas would have to play in some later rounds to potentially make a, a surprise Final Four or even National Championship run? This is a very, very good Arkansas team, but to be honest, they didn't play exceptionally great in this game. They missed a lot of shots. They did not get to the free throw line successfully, which is like one of the biggest things for them uh, throughout the season. I think Eric Musselman's a very good coach. I think he coached a very good game. But if they play like this against Duke or Texas Tech, they will not be the team that advances. However... They have the ability, if they have a good game plan going into that game, get a little bit more consistent from the outside shooting, which was not a big piece of this game as well. Uh, this is as good a team that's left. They just they need to they're, they're going to need to make some changes in order to win in this next round. Coming up, will the Raptors pull themselves out of the play in? Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. You've been hearing me talk about these for months, maybe even years, and it's because I believe in them. They are a terrific product, a genuinely satisfying snack covered in 100% chocolate, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and that's not just fluff, but you know what is? Protein-infused marshmallow. Yes, their puffs line is as good as you would think it is. Churro, coconut marshmallow, that's a, that's a really that's a really special one. All these built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, the puffs included. Yet they're low in calorie, high in protein, high in fiber, and low in net 
carb. You can check the macros out for yourself. And you know what? You should. And I can get you a discount. Just tell them you know me. No, go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That'll be your way of telling them that you know me. Get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. All of a sudden, we look up in late March in the standings, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were once the darlings of the NBA, are fighting tooth and nail to keep the Toronto Raptors off their heels, especially after Thursday night's 117-104 win by Toronto. Joining me now from Locked on Raptors, Sean Woodley. And Sean, this, this Raptors team, we know Nick Nurse can coach, and we know guys like Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam are are frontline players in this league. But this team, what they've been able to do this year is remarkable given the guys around them. How have they been able to scratch and claw their way into above the play-in line potentially? Yeah, I mean, this team, I think Pascal Siakam is kind of where it starts. I mean, tonight he puts up 35 points. He basically closes this game by himself more or less sizing up poor, poor Lowry marketing time after time after time. Uh, and he's been unbelievable. I mean, on my podcast on Locked on Raptors on Thursday, I dug into his All-NBA case, and it's a very legitimate case for one of those final spots on the All-NBA team among forwards. He's been that good. And then, yeah, the supporting cast around him is kind of the, the story of this Raptors team is that there have been positive progressions and steps taken by just about every important player. Scotty Barnes has been way better than expected. Siakam has become the better version of himself than he's ever been. Fred Van Vliet becomes an all-star. OG Ananobi's been an excellent 3 and D guy. And Gary Trent Jr., who wasn't available for this game against the Cavs tonight, has been scoring you know crazy amounts of points in, in various games, You know, 30-plus all over the place. So, yeah, it, it's just been a really great season for internal development and you're seeing now the whole thing kind of come together with guys like Precious Achua and Chris Boucher coming off the bench to fill out this rotation and they're also just weird and long and everyone's six (laughs) foot nine and they play like freaks and that also kind of I think throws other teams off how do you think that changes in in the playoffs because this is a young team as you mentioned internal development has been a big part of it they're going to play hard and that is just going to carry them to a certain number of regular season wins but this right now is a playoff team, especially if they can get above into that six line, um, they will they will be out of the play and they will be in a seven game series. So how do they have to adjust or how do they have to grow even further so that they can compete in a playoff setting? I mean, a lot of it, I think, is it's going to be a bit of a wait and see thing, right? This is a team that's kind of in fact finding mode this season. And I think it's really important they get into a playoff series so they can see what this version of Pascal Siakam looks like in a playoff Mm. setting. I think it's going to be pretty good considering the way he's handled double teams and extra attention so far this year. Uh, You know, that that's going to be a really big element here. But also, you know, I think the Raptors are a kind of team that maybe this season, if you're looking at them against the Titans of the Eastern Conference, they probably don't quite have the juice to beat a team like the Bucks or the Heat or even the Sixers. But I can tell you for sure, none of those teams are thrilled about playing the Raptors because they're a nightmare to play against. They make me tired just to watch them. They're flying around <laughs> on defense. They play a confusing style that no one else really plays, so it's a lot to adjust to. And Nick Nurse, I mean, he's going to have a coaching advantage in most series, I would think. He's that good a coach. Outside of Eric Spolstra, I'm not sure there's a better sort of in-game tactician who can get the most out of his team and press the right buttons. So, you know, again, they, they have the capacity to surprise. I think this is more about having a really sort of 
hard try at it in the first round. And I think it's really important they get there to get some proof of concept for this team. It's kind of a lost year, honestly, if they don't get playoff games to really see if all that's happened this year actually matters when it matters most. So uh, that's kind of the thing I'm keeping an eye on here is can they just kind of get five, six, even seven games of good run just so you can kind of see the proof of concept going forward before the offseason starts. And finally, Metalwork may be to blame for sparking the fire that caused damage at Empower Field at Mile High Stadium in Denver on Thursday. An estimated eight suites were damaged either by fire or smoke, and nearly 200 third-level seats were destroyed in the fire. A source said that the Broncos were having enhancements done to the East Club lounge seating area when it appeared some Metalwork sparked. And to think I thought it was just the Broncos letting Russ cook. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen. For your second listen, download Locked On Bets, all the gambling advice you need in about 20 minutes. Coming up Monday, who makes the Final Four? We'll have it all. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.